2: Welcome back to Bat Force Radio, the Batman and D.C. podcast with no limits. Tonight's roundtable consists of Legends of Lego Batman in California. Oh, cheers. The Bat Force Times in New York. And oh, cheers, I'm Robin Cross in Canada. So tonight's guest is an illustrator who's been creating stories with the likes of Alan Moore, Robert Kirkman, Jason Aaron, and Scott Snyder for more than 20 years. We're working on characters like Superman, the X-Men, and Avengers spider-man the jla and swamp thing Uh, his work on wonder woman earth one with grant morrison earned him a schuster award in 2017 and this week in batman number 69 he gave us the final chapter of the nightmare story arc with tom king joining us tonight from la belle Provence, it's always nice when i get to have a fellow canadian (laughs) on the show mr yannick (laughs) again Hey guys!
1: Woo! Awesome. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna lay my awesome French Canadian accent over over that podcast. Oh. It's gonna be so much about Provence. You're uh, it's gonna be
2: almost too much. <laughs> <laughs> Can never have too much. <laughs> but thanks so much. Uh, thanks so much for taking the time to join us here tonight. How has life hey, it's been? It's
1: my pleasure, guys. Um, well, I'm a uh, I work a lot more than I'm I'm supposed to. Usually, I I always favor long-term project, which I which I can have my own lifestyle of traveling and spending time with my family. But for some reason, the beginning of the year has been super uh, extreme. I got to do well. I did that that Batman uh, that just came up. We need to talk about. But um, almost simultaneously, I was I'm doing a um, a Superman. I don't know what's the name of it now. It it did change a few times. Giant size, um Leviathan Rising that I oh, think yeah. that's the name. Yeah, right. yeah with yeah. Bendis. Yeah. So and yeah. that thing, And initially I, it it was 20 pages and then it grew to 40. I mean, it's 80 pages with other, with other people contributing to it. But uh my share of the of it just kept getting bigger and bigger and odd. to, you know, so I work a lot more than I'm, you know, I'm comfortable like with. But
2: the um, time that issue comes out, it's going to be uh, about 300 pages. Oh no!
1: <laughs> I'm afraid not. I'm afraid not. No, actually, they can because, like, I think it's coming out next month or something like that. I got four pages to do, and uh, so I see, the end. I see the end. of my uh, my marathon of drawing, and then I'll I'll take it easy
2: a little bit more. Ooh. Should be called Superman Leviathan. Page count rising. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is the first time we've had the chance to speak with you, so if you don't mind, uh, I would like to take people through what got you started. What what made you decide you wanted to be an artist and this this was what you wanted to do with your life? What was that moment?
1: Uh, well, it's well, it's a long story. Initially, comic was not a realistic plan at first. Uh, I was aiming towards science. And uh, the intention was biology, so I was going to biology and then eventually um, uh, it turned out it was a lot. Well, I was going to insect, the the part of uh, entomology, which is the study of insect, which was my childhood thing. I was collecting insect and all that thing. And so even as a kid, I thought I'm going to do these Indiana Jones adventure type lifestyle and going to jungle, finding cool insects, and and it's going to be all sexy and stuff, but in romantic. And um, as it turned out, um, entomology and biology is not that. It's a lot more lab, it's a lot more uh, grounded in reality. And I had to see if this was a direction that was still exciting for me. And at the same time, that was um, uh, the beginning of the 90s. Uh, like 92 or something and at the moment comics was you know it's the it's a big boom of of uh, it's an epic uh, image era with uh, with comics selling in the in the millions and millions and uh, I thought well maybe that's that's an option because through all my studies I was always drawing stuff on the side and for the fun in student journal and, and everything but coming from from Quebec um for me, drawing for the American was something unrealistic. It, it's, it's too disconnected from my from my own reality. and um but at the same time because these the comic industry was getting so much traction, comic book conventions started to reach places like Montreal. and that's where I've met French Canadian like me that was uh, doing comics for a living and and suddenly that became a a viable option. and um I uh, I just took a year and a half, tried to learn everything I could in a very scientific way. I, I would say I just imported my my work ethic into learning the anatomy and, uh, and the perspective, the math of it. And um, I I took it so seriously that I've managed to evolve quite fast and you know eventually get some some work done for professional art publisher.
2: What what was your first step uh, getting into the industry? Oh, so. By the time
1: I was sort of good enough to get anything published, uh, the industry was crashing. So that's 95, 94, 95. And so most of the smaller press were just getting out of business. Uh, It's a huge crash, the post-image craziness. And they were looking to hire kids from super far away so they would not be sued or you know, <laughs> reached by these people there somehow planning that to pay. And um, I would say that my first few, uh, I can't even remember those small press because they're, they went out of the business so fast. But my first few projects were for companies that just went bankrupt the moment I sent the page in. And oh. so uh, they, they would publish the thing, of course, but they would never send the original back. They would never pay me. And uh, that was like a, a try trying time, I would say. Um, until I reached um, Topps Comics, and at the time, Topps, uh, well, now they, I think they're still doing cards, aren't they? Uh, but at the time, they were doing uh, comics, and and so uh, they had franchise from Fox, like uh, uh, something called Space Above and Beyond, but also Xeno or Princess and, uh, and X-File, and because Maybe because I'm French-Canadian, I was kind of closer to the European market and could do a bit, a little bit of like likenesses when I draw. And at the time, the for my generation, the, the big tendency was that Capcom, uh, Jeff Matsuda, uh, Joe, Mad, Joe Mad type younger artists I want to push into uh, the industry. And so these guys were discarded from the get go, I guess, from Fox because they couldn't draw the actors and that's how I've managed to like sneak in into uh, those places. And I did um, adaptation of X-Files and uh, some Xena and uh, a show called Space Above and Beyond. Uh, And so that was my first actual published work. I wasn't that great, but it was good enough to get those likenesses uh, through the door at Fox. And I eventually, um, yeah, eventually, uh, Topps just went bankrupt, like every other company to have worked with. But by, but, but by the time, I mean, I, at that time, I was I was getting good enough that I could uh, make a play for m- more major company like DC and stuff like that. Because the thing is, um, when you start to draw, you, you can work at home, try to get to be as good as possible. But not until you get to produce mass produce comics. Like by the time you've done your first three comics, you're nine times as good as when you started as time goes on as your career progress and now i've been doing that thing for 20 years um i would say that my next comics maybe is marginally better depending on the time i have but the progression that you do at first is is just massive and so um these small press even though they never play me they Got me to draw and get better and better and and good enough to to reach DC um, in a viable form as
2: an artist. So it gave you uh, while it was giving you the experience uh, working on that stuff, it was also giving you a resume.
1: Yeah, and you know, you send I was sending photo, Xerox and you know, photographs of pages by mail. That was I'm old enough that all of this was before email. And so I was like stamp and stuff on envelopes and sending it to everybody. Uh, but by the time I uh, I was out of tops comic, I could send actual comics, you know, comics to DC and say these are my three last comics. And this is give you, this is just giving you a, a level of cred that you don't get by sending four photocopies stapled together. You know, this shows that you're a professional. You can get uh, a project, you know, to the finish line and. Uh, and um, that's how I've eventually managed to uh, to get my what's my first job at DC. So DC is the first major that uh, gave me my chance, and I did. Oh yeah, I did something called um, Tomorrow Woman. You guys know that at all? It's a it's a spin-off on one of those characters from uh, Grant Morrison. You did that? I think he did it in GLA. So it's, it's a robot, right. robot woman, and. Uh, there was an event called uh, Girl Frenzy, and it's just like a, uh, an event of a bunch of books with featuring a female character from DC, which was sort of, somehow obscure. And um, yeah, that's my first DC book, the Tomorrow Woman
2: uh, comic.
1: So it's just one issue.
2: And at that point, uh, did you ever envision your career going so far that you would be going on to work with all of the famous names that you have so far yeah
1: no i i, I i've been lucky um <laughs> as i look at the the kind of writer i've been you know getting Grant Morrison or and and alan Moore on the same on the same list is uh, wow, is something crazy. i
2: don't i don't i
1: don't know why I've, i i just i just got lucky and plus i think my um i I'm always very interested to t- t- telling the story and I'm always putting the story first um and some some previous generation I mean there is a generation of image that tried to do the more exciting image as possible sometime on a page and I think some of the writers uh, that were more uh into the storytelling aspect kind of seek seek me out And I think it's just oh maybe the because I work with with Alan, um. It just created some envy, I guess, from the others, and they really wanted to work with me. I did, I did survive Alan more, so the, for sure I got, I got to do something good with them. Um, and by the time I, I've reached, you know, doing two years with Alan, and then and stuff with Grant and everything, so uh, people somehow assume that I know what I'm doing because of that. <laughs> I guess, and it, it just, it just get the ball rolling.
0: You've. Um... Worked with so, you've drawn so many different characters for the big two, with so yeah. many different writers. Has any book stuck out? Like any any book or character stuck out to you? Where you're like, I love drawing this character or this run.
1: Um. Well, I guess I guess one thing has got to be the that, that mm. thing. Uh, and I'm assuming because of my first love of biology, mm. there is some sort of link between my first life and my second life, in which I can. um I can dig into oh nature I don't know there maybe there's something personal but even deeper than that um, mm. when I discovered the American industry as I told you uh, being French Canadian I've read mostly European you know comic book uh, like Asterix and these things and uh, my first encounter with the American comic was an adaptation of um, I have no idea what it might be called in English. But uh, it was a circus story, like a a bunch of freaks. Uh, And it was a um, a, uh, uh, Wrightson book. What's the the
0: Frankenstein,
1: right? Not really, not the Frankenstein. It was just a bunch of, um, like a a circus of freak shows. Mm. And um, a bunch of monsters. And I, because because Wrightson is such a, a master of light and yeah, yeah, you could create so much drama. Mm. It it made a huge contrast with the kind of stuff you can find with Asterix and Tintin. I mean I love I love the European material, but the level of drama that writes and would put in the pages made this thing completely from another planet and very attractive to me. And so I started to seek this guy out. Bernie Wrightson, and whatever I could find in French uh, at my local library. And eventually I went all the way to Swamp Thing, and Swamp Thing was probably maybe the first actual American comic, proper comic uh, that I've I studied and looked at. Mm. And so, um, and uh, and yeah, when I was uh, leaving slightly comics and leaning more towards science, um, I have almost gave up entirely this the comic thing as something from my childhood. And I discovered the Alan Moore. Alan Moore run of Swamp Thing, and mm-hmm. that brought me back in into oh no, wait a minute, comics can do like all sort of thing. It's, it's not just naive stuff. It's super complex. It can go anywhere, and the Americans are ready to to embrace the weird and the bizarre, and the complex and the mature material. And and so um, yeah, that brought me back in, and I stayed into comics, and yeah, I became eventually a comic book artist, and I've done all these characters and. Um, when I was doing um, Batman Inc. with mm. Grant, and um, the New Fifty Two got announced internally, um, a little uh, well for me as a surprise. I was not planning that at all, and um, the idea. My my schedule was I was to do five issue of Batman Inc. with Grant, and then we would do Wonder Woman, um, which at the time was not a Earth One book. It was a uh, like a regular, I think. Mm. Or like a Maxi Theory or All Star. I don't quite remember. So that was the plan. And and then somebody else would take over Batman Inc. and that that, that was it. But then they announced the uh, the new fifty-two and they offered grant um action comics and that's too good to pass. So he went for that. And um I was I was exclusive, but I had nothing else to do. That the plan was was, you know, all changed and to Batman Inc. I was doing Batman Inc. and Detective was being written by uh, Scott Snyder. And the thing with Scott is that we were sharing that same um, email, you know, the bat office kind of yeah. uh, email chain. <laughs> and the, that that story is becoming so intricate by um, creating a, a, a parenthesis here. Um, one year I was in San Diego. And uh, some kid comes to me with his portfolio, and it's amazing. It's like it's breathtaking. Hmm. And uh, he couldn't show his his work to to anybody at at the time, at DC or anywhere else, because there were so many uh, portfolio reviews that what well, they they were doing a raffle first, and if you're getting picked, uh, then they will look at your portfolio. And the guy didn't, you know, didn't win didn't got the, the raffled. So I uh, couldn't show his work, but he, he was like going back to to Brazil, showing his stuff around, like a bit the press. and uh, And that guy was Rafael Bakurki, and, um, wow. Rafa, and Rafa and Rafael was was like <laughs> ridiculously awesome already, right? And he was publishing stuff in Brazil. And I said, "This is unacceptable." And I and I brought him to the DC booth, and I got in touch with Mark Charles and said, "Man, you, you need to look at this guy." Even though you know we're Back, back channeling this this whole thing, and um, I think he got in the job like in the next month on um, Blue Beetle. And I know I kept in touch. I mean, me and Rafa were still good friends to this day, and um, and so I was following Rafa adventure at the time on uh, American Vampire, and that's how I knew Scott and Scott were, and I was sharing this email chain, and um, and then New Fifty Two came about, and uh, we discovered that we both Scott and I are both big. Swamp thing fan and uh they offered me a list of characters to choose from uh for a regular series on the new 52 and Swamp thing was there on the list and i knew scott was involved in it and so i had no other choice but to feel like oh i'm going back home you know this is my this is a sign Swamp thing has been there as important pivotal point in my in my life and in my path as a comic book artist this for sure you know this was the only choice for me and so and so I did it, and because it was so personal, um, I have I tried to dig into the history of Swamp Thing in, in order to create what kind of content I would do for it. And so looking back at what Steve Bissett would do for the layouts, and to me, the, the, the joy of Swamp Thing is, I mean, he's a great character, but when you read a comic book from Alan Moore, uh, or even in some degree, the, uh, the writes and runs that you're in for a visual, feast. You know, it's it's part of the process. You're gonna get a book, it's character, whatever, this is the story, but you're also gonna get your retina will be happy. You know, you're gonna get a lush, awesome visual and it's gonna be classic. It's gonna be w- w- with light and, and shadows and enrich. And, and um and so that was part of almost an extension of what to expect expect with the book. So I brought that in and I tried to homage a little bit of this, the experimental layout style of passet, in but, but with my own language, which is a little bit more structured, and um, yeah, it just created something uh, that reflect back a little bit on the on the past of Swamp Thing and on my own past, and you know, for these reasons, it it was a lot more personal than, say, my run of of Gambit, for instance, which was like yeah, whatever. Hmm. I mean, it was great, but uh, I mean, it's it wasn't as personal. Did
0: you get to see the uh, Swamp Thing trailer that premiered yesterday? Yeah, it was just
1: the ad coming out of the, yeah. of the the water. Yeah, I've seen it. Um, but we'll see. I mean, it still could be awesome. Could be That's terrible. <laughs> you know, true. Who knows? <laughs> That's true. Um,
2: <laughs> I, I feel good about I, I, it with uh, with James Wan involved. Uh, I I have high hopes. Oh, James Wan. Yeah. Well, hopefully. I um I when I, I did my
1: two years of Swan thing, well, the first year and a half, and then um
2: uh,
1: another story. I went to a show in in um in Germany with Mahmoud Azra, which is a good friend, and uh, this guy invited us to to Germany to do a tour of stores and stuff. And I asked Mahmoud to come with me because I don't want to be alone there. I don't, I don't know that guy, but I know Mahmoud, and Mahmoud was not that far. And so we had great adventure in Germany. But one time, um, this this guy, after we've done all those days of signing in, in comic book store, uh, the last day, he said, well, I want to show you something. And he, he brings us to his basement. And, and there, we watched... The, the Swamp Thing movie, the, the old one. I don't know, there's two, right? I think we we watched the first one, which I've never seen before. I had no idea what to expect in German. And uh, it was a weird experience. It's a, it's a weird film, that one. It's a weird thing. So it it goes to show that it could be weird. It, it's I mean, Swamp Thing itself is a guarantee of, of greatness. But uh, yeah, we'll see. I'm excited. I, I- yeah
2: as as far as your art for me swamp thing is the ultimate character for your art uh your run with scott looked fantastic and probably about five years ago uh i watched you at a local con where i am here in windsor Uh, i watched swamp thing uh commission i think you were doing and for for those of us who don't understand how art is created you know we don't understand how it all comes together when you first started the piece i'm watching and you're just making these just looks like random splotches of color and i'm looking and thinking, oh what is he doing here he yeah, has yeah, like a brain damage <laughs> yeah it's, it's all these splotches but then after you have enough splotches you started just adding lines that connected everything and in a matter of seconds, it turned from splotches into. I just. Oh, that's what he was doing.
1: And yeah, it, what is that? That's one up. of the joyous one thing.
2: Uh, you have a, yeah,
1: a huge, huge liberty of doing almost whatever you want, and mm-hmm. and always kind of it kind of makes sense. Oh, it's it's a monster. Uh, if you mess some of the symmetry, it's still good. If you're way too textured, and it's kind of the color is all merging into a goo. We're still good. I mean you, you can't go wrong with a guy. Uh, which is not the same thing with Wonder Woman. <laughs> I mean, if you if you want to do a, a commission arc and then the color is all over the place and the eye is not Evan and it's all weird. Uh, it's not a great Wonder Woman. But Swamp thing you always pre- can pretend it's it's intentional. Um so that's why I when I'm I'm when I'm tired I'll, I'll do a something like when I do free sketches or something like that. Uh, I know something will always come out all right. And um, amazingly, I know my Batman will always come out uh, okay. Um, because uh, one time I did a convention years ago in Mexico uh, at a time where there were, well, there always kind of are in financial crisis over there, but that time that, that was particularly bad. And um, there was a lot of fans. And they couldn't afford anything at, that I had to sell because, you know, at, at shows, that's, um, you know, I've lowered my price, but it, it was, couldn't do it. So I, I figured, um, well, I'm doing, I'm going to do for dirt cheap, just character ads, just ads. Um, but it's going to be either Batman or uh, what was the other? Catwoman? I don't know, like a girl, but maybe Wonder Woman. Um, but everybody went for Batman, and there was like a line of people wanting Batman. And I did in that weekend. I, I I don't know how many ads of Batman, but so many it became almost like signing my own name, just drawing these faces as like a printer almost. And it it made my Batman ad sketches impossible to miss. Um, to, to 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 corrupt or whatever. It's always solid and kind of look the same. Also, but. Um. Yeah, that 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 weekend of working on that single face made it so that I, I can't screw it up anymore.
2: So <laughs> I can that, always rely on that. You should, you, should, you should have kept the first one and the last one. So you <laughs> could <share laughs> see if there is any progress at all. <laughs> you know, it's, it's
0: it's funny that you you just mentioned that because I was uh, listening to this fine art podcast yesterday, and there was this instructor that he tells half of his students to just um, make one pot but as perfect as you can and he tells the other half make a hundred pots they don't have to be perfect at all but just make and he said the ones who made a hundred pots could get a more perfect pot finer than the Mm. one who just focused on one pot that's interesting the way you just said about drawing batman that much and then all of a sudden you you said you can't get it wrong because it's you know, it's like an etched in your brain now how to draw Batman or whatever. So.
1: Yeah, it's all, it's, all, it's almost uh, muscle memory at this point. I mean, it's yeah. not an original drawing. But if, if people, uh, when I do commission art, this is not the Batman I do that I do because uh, this is like a very generic uh, thing for me. I mean, it's, it's looking great. It's all, it's all right. But um, I need to give people a little bit more originality, a little bit more, because I don't even consider this like a, as a drawing. It's almost just drawing, just like drawing my name. <laughs> Kinda, of. it's not. It's not anything, um, but uh, but yeah, it's a it's a weird process. And that I've I've done something at sometimes for for so many times that it became uh, like the pattern of it is just being etched in my brain forever. It's probably the last good drawing I'll be able to do on my dead bed, too. You know, just ah. <laughs> you just, like. you just keep drawing them over and over. <laughs> yeah, well, when, when I could do it, anything anymore because I'm I'm too crazy or old or <laughs> arthritic, but then I can do this bad, man. This is the last drawing <laughs> I would
0: be able to produce. L- Legends, you better get that commission, boy.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and I got kind of a two part
1: question here. Um,. Mm-hmm. Do you prefer to draw traditionally or digitally? And then how do you determine, like, with this last issue? I know you said you drew digitally. How do mm-hmm. you determine if it's going to be um, inks and pencils or if it's going to be drawn digitally? All right. So, um, well, I uh, when I was drawing on paper, because now, I'll, first of all, it's a bit of a spoiling, of <laughs> the, the end of the story. I'm all digital now. So everything I do is digital except... At shows, when I do when I do produce an original for a collector, but um, when I was drawing on paper, I was using a light box. So we do like one one sheet of paper of eleven by seventeen, and then I would break down the panels and do a little bit of rough of the anatomy, and maybe if I'm lucky, a rough of a perspective grid. And then I would lay upon that first paper like another one, another sheet in true transparency. I would clean stuff up. And um, maybe do a a full perspective grid on a third sheet that I could move around slightly to adjust to the panel, and then I would do another sheet, and I would just pile stuff up like this until I get of uh, all the information I feel I need to venture into the pencil on the on the final board. And um, sometimes there was like four pieces of paper on these boards, and so. Um, It's it. it occurred to me that this is kind of like working in Photoshop without Photoshop with layers, right? With the layers, yeah. So, but without Photoshop, so it's like the the um, the prehistoric Photoshop, you know, software, which is just this huge uh, table, and um, and to me it was kind of obvious that one day, uh, if the technology allowed me to work on a table that I could just pile all these things in a perfect transparency like Photoshop, but then draw on it. Because I, w- I was sharing a studio and there were some people having um, the, the old Wacom Trap tablet. I mean, the bamboo and stuff like that, where you can take your pencil, or your, your stylus and work on a, on a surface, and then it will um, m- duplicate that movement on the screen. And I, I was trying to do circle with that. You know, you, try, you draw a circle, and then it's happening on the on the screen, but it's all off and crooked because I've been, I guess, I've been working on on a paper, and my pencil was touching whatever stuff is happening. You know, there was to me, there was a weird a a weird disconnect. It's like um, writing uh, upside down or something. It it didn't work. I couldn't do it, and so I was patient and I was waiting for a moment where. Uh, the Senti tablet would would be a reality, and when it did, um, I just bought it, knowing full well that this is already the way I work, and this will just help stuff up. And um, I did it. The first ever thing I did on a Senti tablet was the cover of Batman number one, which is a Ooh. Batman uh, jumping out of, of like the sky with buildings and stuff. Yeah. But at the time. At the time, I, I couldn't trust any inking on it. That was just my, because I was a pencil This this was my pencil process. And I would print it on a, on blue, very light, and I would give it to my inker, Michel Lacombe, which would ink the stuff. And sometimes because we were sharing a studio, I would come back and ink some aspect of it or clean some, make some modification in pencil. So a lot of these originals are hybrids, a bit of blue line, a bit of, of pencil, a bit of, retouching of inks and, and Bishop would, would ink some aspects. Sometimes he would just print out um, on the board instead of blue, he would paint it in black element that was already kind of all form and didn't really need any inking. And at that as that project evolved, um, near the end of it, uh, I was doing a monthly book with Grant Morrison and I'm not super fast and Grant was not always Always on time with the script. So, sometime it it was kind of epic files of of deadline. And and, uh, at the end, on the last issue, uh, it was almost impossible to have it done by ink at all. And I just figured, well, I'm going to try to pencil as tight as possible and send it in to DC without Michelle inking it as a studio and pretend. Everything is normal. <laughs> the thing is finished, <laughs> and 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 we did, and uh, Nathan colored it. And when the book came out, I I just looked at it and said, well, there is no difference. I mean, it, it we can barely see that it's not inked. Um, and so the next project after that was Swamp Thing, and I uh, just for just for the fun of it, I asked my editor, uh, Matt Idleson, well, what if. What if I inking my? What if I'm inking myself on that book? Uh, am I getting paid more? And what is it? And uh, he was actually giving me a a page rate was was which was higher than what they were getting Michelle to ink me for real, for not doing anything different than just penciling, but digitally and you know being a little bit careful here and there. And so I said, all right, I'm gonna ink myself then. And um, especially because it was swamping i figured if my inking is not up to the level because i never inked myself before that um yeah i can always pretend this is a stylistic experiment because it's swamping it's got to be organic and and more fuzzy and uh, uh, but yeah it, it turned out that through those two years of swamping I've learned a lot and i became more uh solid as an anchor i mean, if you look at my inking very tightly it's not that great. But it, do, it does a job, and plus, it allows me to do stuff which was, I mean, if it would do some of those, those intricate thing I'm doing now in in pencil and giving it to an anchor, it was just torture for them. I mean, it's just, it's not fair because I'm getting, I'm, you know, I'm getting compensated for the pay for these pages a lot more than anchor are, and but they spend the same same amount of time. So at least now I know I'm not putting anybody in trouble. By adding this extra layers of building and stuff like that, it's just my own fault. And after that, nobody else is gonna suffer except for Nathan. But Nathan <laughs> can take it, I guess. <laughs> I hope. So then, you do hundred percent of your inks now? Yeah, I'm. Um, I'm. I, I use a uh, Wacom Cintiq. The, the last one, you see, which is like a four K thing, it's it's a, just a beauty. And I'm opening the script uh, on my Cintiq table. And I'm opening. Uh, I'm using now Manga Studio and not Photoshop, uh, which is mo- almost the same thing. And then I do all my stuff uh, on a blank document. On a blank document, I will, I will do my layout on a on a blank document at, at a lower resolution because sometimes it's easier to move stuff around. There's no lag. And then when I'm kind of happy with the, the the layout of things, I'm blowing that stuff up to the resolution. I'm gonna do my ink, and that's it. So I do all my uh, and it's it's. It's very easy to fix stuff up and uh, and also it's the only real way I feel comfortable inking. Um I remember when I was a you know, I when I was tarting really, um I was penciling stuff and I was somehow happy with whatever it looked like. And then it was time for inking and I would just get these uh these panic attack really just had the idea of ruining everything with my ink, and I would try to ink, but too slowly for my own good, and then stuff would just look bad. And I would try to fix it with white, and then it would destroy everything. it looked terrible, and then I would go to bed, like thinking about my drawing that just I just destroyed, and I would go back to my drawing table trying to fix stuff, making stuff worse, and then going back to bed. No, I should never done that. And this is not. <laughs> um, this is not a <laughs> happy life with this. I mean, if I if I mess something up, I just control Z the thing, <laughs> or I just try things on other layers. And if it just don't make sense, I just delete that layer. So, and most of the time, it makes sense because, um, as I discovered, the um, the power of inking is really this weird self confidence that you need to have, you need to go in there. Um, without any just just going to town with the thing and you need to work fast so you get the line as fluid as possible. Um, hesitation is is usually uh, counterproductive and will give you something you know um, less precise, b- bizarrely. So the, all the great, the great anchor, you know some people like Mark Farmer, for instance, you look at this long elegant uh, brush stroke. I mean he's not thinking of the way twist brush stroke. Ah, am I am I missing my? No, he's just just going. You know, as a single stroke of full confidence, and uh, that's how it's great. You know, so that my only way to doing those kind of thing is to always know that I have the safety net of yeah. Well, whatever I, I can always control Z everything and uh, and start again. And sometimes I'll yeah. do it. I'll I'll do like a stroke you know, like five times until I get something. Oh yeah, that's that's the one, and that's the one I keep. Uh, but all the others. I mean, there's no whiteout or anything. They're just being like
2: deleted as I was doing them. An insight on how you put everything together. So this week's, well, uh, as of the time we're recording this today's issue of Batman, uh, how did this uh, come together? You uh, working on Batman with Tom King?
1: Yeah, well, I, um when I did I, I've always been a big fan of Tom. Um, I think he has a a, a wonderful instinct and he's a great writer. And maybe because, well, I was working with Grant Morrison on Wonder Woman, one which is very, uh, how can I put that? Um, impressionistic as a story. I mean, the, Grant Morrison can do very structuralistic type story, very solid, and but sometimes he can do a very, um, not ambiguous, but um, open to interpretation <laughs> type material. And um, that was, really what one woman earth one is kind kind of is and uh, I was looking at at, um, at uh, Tom's work and everything is can be structurally sound and this love for the nine panel grid you know th- there is some sort of a, a a matte brain at work there that that I found uh, just intriguing and, and, and fun so being between one woman earth ones one of my goal was to get To do something with Tom, whatever you know, could be anything. But I was, I was, was you know, just aiming for that. And uh, yeah, um, a Batman option came along, and um, he asked me what kind of thing I like to draw. And the beauty is because it's, uh, it's part of the night nightmare, nightmare. It's pronounced like nightmare, right? It's just not spelled the same. I don't know. I mean, I'm French Canadian, so maybe it's an entire new pronunciation but because of the nature of those stories um it could really just adapt to the needs and the instinct and the, the way his artist works and so he asked me what i want to do and i said well i like I like monsters obviously but i like i like dream i like weird um oneric type universe um when i like the, the cat woman in the that that type of uh the, the 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 relationship around all this and and so he created a script which was so open for me to do whatever but the script most of it was just okay catwoman and batman and a bit of dialogue but the only description was like they're dancing <laughs> panel after panel after panel for pages and pages which sometime a little um She's wearing that costume because we go to like different era uh, for Catwoman costume. But for the most part, every single panel was the same description. And I, at first, I was like, oh my God, this is what I'm going to do with this. It's just this. But it's obvious that it's so much freedom for me to go to town with layouts and try to be inventive well, because it's so repetitive in some way. Um, it's, it just gives me all the rope I needed to create this elaborate design for every panel. And because it's a dance, um, I um, well, one of my uh, childhood thing beside NSIC was music. I, I used to, and still to this day, I write classical music. So um, like Baroque fugue and stuff like that. So I always kind of love the, the, the act of writing music. And because I can read music, which not that many people, do as I find out eventually. Um, reading music and reading comics is very similar. Uh, in both case, uh, you give the reader uh, the control over time. I mean, you can take a page of full action and spend two hours just looking at a page where the action is a, a fraction of a second, um, but just, just enjoying the drawing. But knowing that this is just happening like in the flash, Same thing when you read music, you can spend um, 30 minutes just looking at the orchestration of a chord, an orchestra that you know, this is just an orchestral it, and it just move super fast to the next chord, but you can take your own time because that's the aspect you're in control with. This is something you don't get watching a film, unless you're very annoying with your remote control or something. But um, it's not something that is quite obvious in listening to music or in a play. it is it is something that is common to comics, and and music. And to me, when I write music, I just organize element in in time. And when I draw a comic, I organize stuff in space. But it's my same the same values are there. I love baroque, complex, layered music. I love complex, layered type illustration and paneling. Um, I'm the same artist whatever artistic form I'm expressing. And sometimes when I do, when I do breakthroughs in my writing in music, I can very easily import those same breakthroughs in, in comic. And so I'm there with this dance, every panel is a dance, and I thought oh, maybe I can try to mix those things even more, I mean, making a dance as a musical form, making, writing a score, a dance score with then dan- dancing panel to panel in dream dreams. So I can do all sort of bizarre, bringing some musical notation in it. And so, um, the first panel is um is a song that uh, Tom used uh, early on in the run, which is uh, you're gonna miss me. Uh, what's the? going to actually take a yeah. comic. What is it? You guys tell me. Uh, well,
2: I'm trying. To some what of the name these of days,
1: it is. yeah. It's it's There's, called some of these days, and it's an old song from. Um, from the 40s, I think. So I looked it up on the internet, and I've, I've listened to it, and I made a transcription of it on paper, well, on a, on a musical software. And then I used a musical font to create a graphic element, but it's the same song that is mentioned in the script that, that is coded,
2: but you can, if you is, can reuse
1: that, it that, that nobody no, does, you know.
2: <laughs> that so is, that can, is brilliant because the fact that uh, you, just the fact that the the musical bars are are there really makes the issue the fact that as as we go through the issue they're dancing while they while they speak to each other and it's all these kind of really atypical sorts of paneling the way that those musical notes are incorporated in there really makes it look really cool but it's another step further that it's actual music that you actually broke it all down and that's the actual music there.
1: Yeah, it's the actual song that is being quoted all over the book and and the, the first panel of the book is a, uh, is a G key, G clef, whatever mm. uh, what you called it. And this is the first panel and the last thing of the book is a double bar, you know, the way you do it when, when you write music. So in between those two, wow. women, the, the key and the last, it's the full issue and the dances starting and, and being completed. Um, so and I, I don't know how many people love Batman and also can read music, <laughs> maybe maybe four, uh, but the, they're gonna enjoy that. Um, and for the rest, maybe for the other people, maybe on a subliminal level, they feel that there's something binding uh, thematically, all of this together. Okay. And so the book is divided into two two, two dense really. It's uh, Batman and Catwoman, um, working out a way out of the dream, uh, while discussing and dancing in a very uh, classical, romantic sort of way in a different setting, uh, counterpoint with uh, a naked um, Thomas—not <laughs> <but> totally <laughs> naked. This guy, yeah, the <laughs> decency to have some pants, which is great because I don't know, I'm gonna uh, would have survived it just storytellingly. Uh, and naked Bane. I don't know. Bane loves it to fight naked.
2: Yeah, so yeah, for,
1: for some reason, so extra level of difficulty to uh to you know to just always add i you know junks and stuff like we had enough uh, drama with with Batman and uh, and Penises you uh, know in recent history, <laughs> so that had to be taken <laughs> in consideration, but but they also dance in uh, in a way you know they fight for a bunch of pages uh, almost the same amount it's 50-50. And so, by contrast, his pages, every panel is, like, just square. It's, there's no no poetic uh, thing. There's no effect. There's no beauty. It's just, like, raw, squarish panel on black gutters, uh, uh, panel borders. And that's all there is. And, again, this is on purpose just to... Um, to, uh, to act as some sort of a counterbalance to the dream aspect. So people will feel, oh, this is to interpretation of dance in a very different uh, graphic language.
2: Further to the uh, the musical component of this issue, I think it's worth mm-hmm. mentioning that you do have a Reverb Nation page where people can hear some of your music.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm by uh, by no means I'm a I'm a I'm a composer for real, but uh, some of the stuff I do, uh, I was doing it. It's just for me, you know. Like mm-hmm. people would do crossword puzzle, I write Fugues, so just. Um, <laughs> but I've, yeah, I've posted some stuff online that people can 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 have fun with. I remember when I was doing uh, Swamp Thing, uh, I think issue seven and eight that was uh, during Christmas. And I had a little bit of time for me, and it's a huge battle of, of Swamp Thing going through like an army of of rock monster. And the break that I was taking during uh, the process of drawing it was to write the score of that same scene, but like for full orchestra. And I think that's, uh, yeah, that's available online. So it's, uh, it's my, um, my Swamp Thing orchestral, uh, orchestral score.
2: Yeah, it's uh, um, it's the first song on the page if I remember right.
1: Yeah, and um, and so I, I did create a lay like, swamping theme and a rock theme in a very um, uh, John William way of approaching a score where you create thematic uh, melody for character and you know element the story. So I did that and then a bit of a bit of battle and uh, you know crashing cymbal and, and drums and things so there but yeah i mean i, I used to work i used to uh, to write a lot more but nowadays uh comics is is just taking all my energy and i have less and less time i'm afraid
2: aside from the leviathan stuff what else can we expect to see you on uh, upcoming
1: um it's hard to say i'm uh, i'm looking for i'm exclusive to dc so it's going to be a dc thing um, I got, I'm talking with a few people about a few things and I'm trying to find out something that would uh, that would fit my lifestyle I would say um, a monthly book I mean when the, when Batman came out a lot of people said oh I'll come what Yannick is not an a monthly thing and we we'll want more of it but I just don't want to do that I mean it's too much work it's uh, I'm not a young guy you know, anymore I mean <laughs> I need time to especially with the bar that I've 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 put to myself where I really need to reflect on pages and finding uh, conceptual element um, it's I just need time to do those things and to be satisfied with the comics that I've been producing you know uh, uh, it- so monthly is uh, is out of the equation so it it makes the finding a project that fits my need uh, a little bit more complex but there's a few uh, few options here and there maybe a fill- in or two but uh, yeah. Will you some be doing stuff, a, I just can't talk about? Will you be doing a volume three of the Wonder Woman Earth One or Um, um Yeah, maybe. Um Grant uh, already has some sort of a game plan for that. Uh the, the only problem with Earth One is that it takes forever to draw. And uh so much energy goes into those books and uh um yeah, the the first one was was took forever. The second one was a little bit faster, so I'm I'm assuming that a third volume would would go much faster. But uh, but still, I mean, it's such a commitment that um, and when I do those things, I just disappear for people think I'm dead or whatever, and, and, and I do a few <laughs> covers yeah, and that, But you know, it's almost it trade situation where people have no idea I do comics anymore, and um, and so I felt like okay, I need to do like a a. a Good chunk of regular project, you know, out there, uh, and this is what that Batman is about. Or I did an action comic with Bendis earlier uh, last year, and uh, Leviathan, in a way was supposed to be just like a simple thing, but now it's as grown, grown into this this, you know, massive forty po- forty pages. But um, yeah, these are my kind of project for now. Uh, but I'm, I'm looking for maybe a mini-series or uh, maybe a um, DC Black Label. Who knows? Yeah,
2: I was just going to ask that. Uh, sounds like Black Label <laughs> would be kind of perfect to do like a bi-monthly or something.
1: Yeah, bi-monthly is, uh, is acceptable for me and my for uh, to survive. But yeah, the best would be to work on a project uh, for a year or six months and then have it all out in a go. Maybe I mean I think this is the way everything should be done. And it's, maybe it's my European street talking, but um, producing the level of material people expect nowadays on the monthly level is kind of break, it's crazy. A little. I mean, you need you need to either forfeit your life or uh, do so many compromises on the actual artwork. Um, I, I think nobody was really winning uh, in, in in these things. So my idea was like, let's just create project. Let's the artists trigger you know the time they need, take their time, do the best they can, and then when it's all done, you sell it. You know, <laughs> like books. But that's not exactly how we work in comics. We we most of the time we announce stuff and nothing, nothing is done, and then we need to meet those deadlines. Um, and it makes sense on a, on a <clears throat> sort a monthly book, you know, people expect Batman to come out every month or now twice a month. And that's okay for those type of books, but I would personally uh, want to have many projects that, oh, surprise, this awesome book that um, Kevin Nolan and Garcia Lopez have been doing in secret for, for six years is there and it's a 24 issue awesomeness with no compromise. And it's all gonna come out uh, twice a month because it's already all done and in the can and nobody's gonna suffer the deadline and everybody's gonna win. So this is the kind of future I want for comics in which I would be very happy <laughs> to produce stuff in. But you know, this long-term thinking, you um, DC and Warner is a little bit more inclined to do it, and, and that's a good thing. It's probably why I'm I'm sticking with these guys. Marvel has a reaction time which is um, much faster than that. And thinking, oh, let's start project, and we're gonna actually cash on those project in four or five years. This is this is not their business model at all. I don't think they can do it, and maybe it makes no sense because they need to. Um, to take advantage of fad and, and take advantage of oh this is what the market is reacting now to and we need to fill that with a, with a product and they have no idea what's gonna 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 happen in four or five years and maybe they're gonna create a project that you know doesn't resonate with anybody by the time it's done so
2: there
1: you go but books you know books movies uh they've done like that they take they take time and uh Eventually, you can announce it, you can tease the stuff like a year in advance. and product like uh, Earth one, which you know made total sense for my European sensibility of production. Um, and so are these uh, uh, DC black label. So I want more of that. Yeah, I, I hope
0: um, I hope DC Black Label prevails because I know it's been a bumpy start, but uh, I think it could be a phenomenal, just an amazing publication if uh, you yeah. know, they could uh, you know get get through this storm and just uh, keep putting out that kind of material and in that large format too would be uh, yeah I
1: think I think they will I mean um, Batman Nam was awesome I mean that was a great book and oh yeah it did create a little bit of storm but um, uh, but it was a totally uh, you know, it felt like a European uh, comic, right?
0: Like uh, yeah, 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 yeah,
1: and it made total sense for me at least. Yeah. Uh, maybe I don't have this the same sensibility of of American tour dicks and stuff. but um to me, I just thought it was awesome. And but yeah, it got tainted with with this at first, and there was a bit of timing because we got like a new, not a new publisher but a new director at the time. Uh, coming in, and the first thing she got on her on her table was that drama. You know, the yeah. first day of work. So, oh and, my god! And so it 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 was like, oh well, maybe Bad maybe timing. we're gonna just gonna can can the entire idea. Yeah. But um, uh, what's what's um Scott stuff with uh, with Greg? Batman, it, last let, Batman. Last
0: night is, on Earth, I think.
1: Yeah, last like, night. Like, well, that thing was just. I'm pretty sure it's gonna reset the clock on on the whole thing and just say, okay, it's just going to bring back, um, because now we just have one Black Label out and it is this great book, which is drenched into this, I guess, to my to my view, a little bit stupid drama. But but now we're going to get a, a book that is just going to do well and, and establish the brand. And um, yeah, um, this is the way for, forward for sure. I remember when I was doing, uh, Batman Inc, um, almost by accident DC did that sort of long-term project with, um, with Batwoman. Remember the G.H. Uh, the William Batwoman, the New 52? Yeah. So yeah, the- at the time, yeah, at the time before the New 52, that thing was supposed to come out um, about at the same time as um, Batman Inc, number one. In, in the third issue, I think we, we have a crossover with, uh, with Batwoman. And um, and I, I I saw all those pages back then, but the GH felt he was he had created enough lead, and he, he was trying to to um, to pull against the schedule a little bit. And then they announced the new the new fifty two, and that meant that Batwoman number one and two and three would come out, and then they would reset everything. Like everything had to be reset, you know, and then create. Again, Batwoman number one and <laughs> Batwoman number two after four issue or something like that. So what they, they choose to do instead is, say, well, let's 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 Jim produce those pages and let, let's just have them pile at the office. These awesome, gorgeous Batwoman pages. And then with the New 52, when that book came out, I mean, it came out like clockwork every month you got the Batwoman book, and it's obviously not taking a month to do because it's just absolutely gorgeous. Well, other books like Action Comics had to go with a fill-in, and there was like all these bumpy starts for, for all sort of these on our, uh, New 50 book, uh New 52 book, but Batwoman, for, because of that pass, they did it right without really wanting it, and it came out great, and it came out on time, and uh, yeah,
2: thanks to New 52, I guess. So the lightning round. Is that ready?
0: Yeah. Okay. To, uh, st- let's just to start it off. Number one. uh What is your favorite insect?
1: Um, it's gonna be the Letocerus americanus, which is a um a, a water bug that eat fish. Mm. It's it's a monster. It's 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 just a terror of the pound. Wow. It really <laughs> yeah. sounds... That sounds creepy. My,
0: my yeah, image. Google
1: it. <laughs> leto cerus let- uh, americanus or leto cerus uh, in French. Uh, it it means uh, leto means deadly and service <laughs> mean claws. So <laughs> there you go. I'm, I'm more
0: of a Arabian praying mantis fan myself, but <laughs> oh, fancy. nice, very nice. <laughs> uh, um, do you prefer New York
1: style pizza or Chicago style deep dish pizza? Um oh that's a good one. Honestly, I love them both but um I've been blown away by some of the Chicago craziness oh, they oh, I've oh, been nice. blown away by some of it. <laughs> I'm just saying. But um I, when we do New York, uh, we've been to uh, I can't remember the names of the place but it's a tradition to ask the locals, okay, where, where's the best pizza and then try it. Mm. So, I've been
0: exposed to good stuff. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, the M M&M and M candies. Do you prefer
1: the regular or the peanut? Oh, uh, I don't eat that much. You no, know, that I'm I, I know it's. I'm not a, um, Let's let's go for peanut. more. It's, it's probably better in a way for your <laughs> <dear> um, health. <laughs> so let's let's get these guys.
0: Okay, if you could have dinner with one human being that lived throughout history, dead or alive, any human that lived, who would it be?
1: Oh, boy. A dinner.
0: Mm. In a conversation with any human being that lived.
1: You, you, you know, I would, I would I, my first instance was Bach. Oh, okay. Uh, nice. But I would have anything to say. And I would be more, I would go more emotional. I will choose my father, actually, which died mm. when I was 12. Wow. And, uh, yeah, I was a kid. So I'm, I'm a man. So maybe, you know, I see a dinner where we could actually talk about things for real.
2: That's a good. So there well. we go. That's the new best answer ever. If, um, <laughs> if
0: you could have one superpower, what would it be?
1: Oh, cloning. I would clone me, <laughs> and, <laughs> and I, w- I would be. I would be doing monthly books. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Maybe twice, twice a month. Yeah. I'll, do, yeah, I'll take over Batman business. alone twice a month. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh i i like to i like to ask this one uh professionally what's the best advice you were ever given and who gave you that advice
1: Ooh, um i think that's gonna be
2: uh
1: charles uh charles vess yes charles vess um yeah, I, when I was trying to draw at the time I was under the influence because at the time, you know, image was big and gymly was a thing and and I was doing all these line these well it turned out it, it's part Jim, but it's mostly Scott William type of inking. And all my generation was under the charm and the spell of let's render everything with these cross hatching everywhere. And um and Charles Vest uh, looked at my stuff and he's I don't know if you know Charles, but he's the most gentle, soft-spoken guy. And he just looked at and said, "Always consider shape and form." That's all he said. Shape and form. And, <laughs> and to this day, to this day, when I do stuff that makes barely any sense, or I try to, is that a shape or a form? What is it? Oh, it's it's just like bullshit. So I try to <laughs> avoid it. It's just a crazy rendering. But yeah, shape and form instead it in the phrase, just two things. Shaven and form.
0: Shaven form. And uh, for our, so our final question has to do with a, a new tradition here. What happens is every, um, every guest gives us a question to ask the next guest, and then that current guest gives us a question to ask the next guest. So the, pre- <laughs> okay. the, the previous guest is the current Detective Comics artist Brad Walker. And yeah. And he he, he he asks if you're walking your dog and you're cleaning up poop with a bag and you could feel the heat from the poop through the bag are the particles getting through the bag on your hands or not? <laughs> I know They're not. They're, they're not, not. They're not.
1: That's the, a question.
0: That No, and, no they're and not. That, I that,
1: would that, say that uh
2: that's they are correct answer too.
0: yeah that's um, yeah someone actually explained it to us on social media the, the physics behind it and
2: <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but you Brad got it right. Brad further, Brad further explained that like the where his question comes from is that he always because he draws with his right hand he picks up with his left hand yeah. so that what? after he does the up, he doesn't he doesn't <laughs> Do anything with that hand until he can go and wash it, because like he he feels like his hand is dirty.
1: Yeah. So. Wow. So now no, you I have no respect for my extremities. I'll do anything with my hands. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll I'll, 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 I'll do renovation. Uh, I'll pick up you know pooed with the boat ends if needed. Um no When <laughs> no when, I was, when I was when I was younger and I was uh, doing insect stuff. Uh, I would I would just capture bees and you know <laughs> these these wow. kind of things like with my hands and it would sting and I would uh ah, and wow. I would put it in a jar without any net or whatever so I was not allergic thank God because I would never be there <laughs> but it, I got you know no yeah. respect um, <laughs> so you have to give okay, so,
0: us a question oh my God
1: for our next guest all right um okay um it's 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 more fundamental though um uh craft dinners and macaroni and cheese is it the kind of thing you need a, a spoon or a fork to eat oh. and um <laughs> <laughs> i know i know what i do i know what i do but uh i i think it might not be the good thing maybe it is I'm using i'm using a spoon but i wonder if this is Like the rule for everyone. Might we have to...
0: Might be something you use a spork for. I know they're, they're going to say spork, yeah. a, a, <laughs> a, a spoon with the pointy end, so it's like a spoon and a fork. You know, you know, lazy oh, wow. um, us lazy Americans.
1: You know, we can't pick up two different utensils, so we need to put it all in <laughs> one. <laughs> wow, I didn't know. I, I need to to look on uh, on Amazon Yannick's up. mind is blown right now. <laughs> 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 all right.
0: But uh, y- Yannick, thank you so much for your time. You have so much awesome insight in, some, in terms of your journey in the world of, uh, you know, uh, DC Comics and all that you've done. For the big two, I mean, wow, that's you've done you've done so much work with so many different writers that most haven't even had a chance to work with one on. That you know, it's it's pretty impressive. So. Um, Yeah, we just want to thank you so much for your time and giving us a little insight into your workflow and all of you done and everything like that.
1: It's a pleasure, guys. No problem.